Although many of us strive to be the best dad we can be, many physicians struggle with finding balance between their life at home and their life at work. This is the Imperfect Dad MD Podcast, the show where we discuss topics involving our minds, bodies, beliefs, relationships at home, and upping our game with our business practices and financial knowledge to better improve our role as dad in the lives of those around us. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy Toffel, physician, husband, father to two boys, and self-proclaimed imperfect dad. Join me as I learn to raise my own imperfections within all these topics. Now, let's get to today's discussion. Hello and welcome to the Imperfect Dad MD Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jeremy Toffel, and this is week two in a four-part series talking about the book Blue Zones by Dan Butner. And today we're going to talk about two of the zones. That's going to be Sardinia, Italy, and Nicoya, Costa Rica. And we're going to talk about those areas, why I kind of grouped them together, and how I think you can take their life experiences and apply them to yours. Now, before we get into today's topic, I want to introduce this week's sponsor. It is Advice Media. And this has to do with really one of the six Bs when I talk about being a physician dad in your business. So make no mistake, digital marketing is a science, one that I know I haven't figured out yet. Advice Media has created a proven roadmap that gets you from where your practice is now to where you want it to be. They call this their pyramid of success, and thousands of clients have proven that their six-stage approach is the optimal way for attracting new patients and retaining current ones. They get it. You're busy. You don't have time to be a digital marketing expert. I mean, let's be honest, not many of us do, Um, and you have lives to change, right, as a physician. So if you give them just 30 minutes to consult with you, they bet that you're doing some things that are really, really good, but they can find things that you're not doing so good at, and they can help you with that. So... Here's the thing. If you make a consultation with them, just that 30-minute consult to help you improve or potentially find ways to improve your, your digital marketing, they will give you a Amazon gift card, a $60 Amazon gift card just for the consult, right? You have nothing to lose. So if you're interested in doing this, make sure to book your consult today. You go to drpodcastnetwork.com slash advice media. That's drpodcastnetwork.com slash advice media. And I will leave a link to that in the show notes. Okay, guys, so the first place I want to start with is the mountainous area in Sardinia, Italy. So Sardinia is an island off the coast of Italy, and I'm talking about the mountainous area, so this kind of area off the coast. And the reason is, is when you look at this island of Sardinia, it is a location that has gone through a lot of changes over time in regards to the coastline, and that's because it was a prime place for people to invade, take over. But a lot of these people who took over in the past were, and they were Vikings and, and other things that would basically um, take over and use the pastures and near the coastlines and graze their sheep, those kind of things, whatever it was. They never really did much into the mountainous areas. And so the original people who lived on this island kind of moved more towards the mountainous areas to get away from these invaders. And really, they all left each other alone. And these people living in uh, these areas in Sardinia, these blue zones, basically kind of got lost in time. Now they've, I mean, they've moved ahead a little bit, but really, they, they still have Latin words and struck word structures in their languages. They still um, do many things that their ancestors did kind of right around Jesus's time, which is, I think it's just pretty cool to think about. And so these people have embraced what their lifestyle's always been and kept it going. They don't have outside influences from modern technology and um, cars and things like that. Now it's getting there. That's the, and that's, 
probably one of the problems now is you're starting to see more of these fast food chains pop up there. You're starting to see more cars on the roads, things like that. And the younger generations are embracing these new technologies, which we did as a country, you know, back in America after most of the world wars and things like that. And although it helps in some ways, it also makes life maybe a little too easy right? We are able to get food easier. We're able to transport easier. We're not walking like we were. We're not doing certain things. We're eating excessively. We're doing a lot of things our ancestors didn't do. And with these changes, although it comes with maybe some joy and some sense of um, accomplishment or whatever that might be, it actually, there's a good chance that it's hurting us long-term here. And now I'm not saying we all need to go back to being hunter-gatherers and burn all the cars and things like that, but you're starting to see these changes on these islands and these blue zone locations where the elderly that are there who are these very healthy centenarians may be the last of their people to do this because of all of this modernization and Western culture, things like that coming into these areas. And so when you think about the island of Sardinia, Again, in this blue zone that they're talking about, it's more in kind of the central, not really central, but the mountainous areas that are away from these coastlines where where the invaders were. And when you look there, they talked, the, the people in blue zones talked to various centenarians there. And one of the interesting things with Sardinia is that when you look at other blue zones and really around the world, and you're talking about people living to be older and healthier, women tend to live longer, healthier lives than men. It's just how it's been. But when you look at Sardinia, it's a very equal playing field. There, when they were going through and interviewing different people and close to their close to that hundred age or even past it, it was equal amounts men to women, which was really mind blowing for the these studiers and these researchers because that just wasn't expected when you look at how the rest of the world is and even some of these other blue zones. So these other blue zones, you tend to have more women living longer than men, and. The big question is why? Why is that? What's the difference there and versus other places? And I think one of the interesting things is when they interviewed a lot of these men in Sardinia, they one of the biggest things was, uh, well, number one, a lot of them were shepherds or farmers. Um, they tended their flocks. They would walk miles and miles and miles. And like one guy was every day, he was walking six miles to and from his flock to take care of them. He had a little place to sleep at. When he many times he would sleep under the stars with his flock. He wouldn't go home for days. Um, sometimes when your flock has to relocate, they walk with them. And that's many, 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 many miles. They even talked about one point someone talk, walking 100 miles with their flock. And so these guys are getting out there and getting their exercise, if you want to say that. But the other interesting thing is, is every time they interviewed one of these men who had a family and had kids, their their comment, they would ask them, you know, what? What about life? Like, why do you think you made it to 100? Or was there anything stressful? Things like that. And the comment that pretty much always came back was, why is life stressful? I tended my flock and my wife took care of everything else. So they took care of the family. They took care of the money. They took care of the business side of things in terms of making sure the house was running. Right. And that was the the woman's job back then and the wife's job. And the men just did their job. And if you listen back to my, I think it was episode five, when I talked with my dad and talked about life and his view as being a dad and how his dad was back then, it was kind of the same ideal, right? The dad worked, did their job, and that was it. Whereas the mom, sadly, your job was to do everything else. And apparently women are a little bit more resilient than men in this case. So maybe women are the stronger sex guys. I'm sorry to say that, but it sounds like they are um, because they seem to be able to tend and deal with these stresses more possibly. Um, Now, again, this is all potential 
things. This is not, you know, I'm not talking about cold hard facts here. I'm talking about the information from the book and applying it to us. Now, I am also not sitting here and telling you that, well, these men in Sardinia didn't do anything family related, basically. So that's what we need to do as dads. I'm not saying that at all. And that's that's what you're taking out of this. You probably should stop listening um, because my goal here is to make us better dads, better parents, better husbands, all those kind of things. And so um, I'm not saying that. But what it was, was that they had less stress in their life. They saw the act of being a parent and dealing with money and dealing with the house as stressful. And so when these men would say, I ha- all I did was hang out with my flock all day, every day for the last 80 years or whatever it was, that was not having a stressful life. Whereas had they been put into the home to help with the kids and to help with the money and to help with the house repairs, because a lot of these women did their own house repairs, they would deem that as being stressful, thus could have potentially shortened their lives. Now, does being a parent as a dad have to be stressful? Absolutely not. Do we make it stressful on ourselves? Absolutely. I know I do it all the time. And that's something I learned from reading this is that, you know, parenting doesn't have to always be stressful. Now there's going to be stresses, but as a dad, I think we don't always have the best role models as of now on how to be a stress-free parent. Because in many cases, our dads were the ones working um, and there was a lot of stress at home sometimes. I'm not talking just personal experience. I'm talking about just when you look at how our culture was and how we were built, um, we're kind of in that generational period and that generational gap where things have changed in terms of what are the expectations at home, what are the gender roles, all those kind of things. And so I think when you look at this topic of men not having as much stress in Sardinia because of they didn't have these family obligations and home obligations, we don't have to say that family and home has to be stressful, but we need to change our mindset. So that's one of the six B's, right? Your brain, your mindset on what it means to be a dad, what it means to be home with your kids, all those types of things, right? And if we can adjust that for us and relieve some of that stress, I think we can really improve our longer life potential there. Now, when you look at the type of foods that people in Sardinia eat, um, it's very common in these blue zones, and especially here, that most of the vegetables and foods that the people eat are from their own gardens. They rarely would eat meat. They would maybe eat meat with a special occasion. Um, some places, some of these guys, maybe once a week on a Sunday, they would cook something that involved meat. But most of the time, it was just kind of special occasions and holidays. So one question is, what would these guys eat on a typical day? And when you looked at the shepherds and, and the types of foods that they would take with them or what they would eat normally, they would eat things like fava beans. They'd eat bread. And actually, it was interesting. Bread was a common food staple for these people. Now, I'm not talking about white loaf bread that you're buying from the grocery store. I'm talking about whole grain breads that these guys are making on a frequent basis. Bread was a very big part of their diets. Um, Pecorino cheese. So pecorino cheese made from goat's milk or cheap milk, however you make pecorino cheese. Uh, Red wine. And like I said, they rarely eat the meat. Now, the pecorino cheese, I think is interesting because I like pecorino pecorino cheese. I haven't had it in a while. I enjoy it. Now, can I go to the store and buy pecorino cheese and get the same benefits from that pecorino cheese as these guys do in Sardinia from their pecorino cheese? I'm going to say probably not. And the reason why is because the milk used to make the cheese is in direct relation to the health of the animal we get it from, right? And so I have zero knowledge of where the milk is coming from for this pecorino cheese that I buy at the grocery store, whereas these... Um, sheep and goats and those things in those areas are eating certain types of foods. Now, interesting 
thing here in Sardinia, there's a type of plant that grows and they call it, I think it was called Sardinian dwarf curry and it's eaten by the goats and it's very high um, activity in terms of anti-inflammation. Now it's interesting, the sheep don't eat this. It's just the goats. So when they're making, getting goat's milk or making pecorino cheese from the goat's milk, there's a high chance that this is getting into those milks leading to these milks and cheeses to have a higher anti-inflammatory property than other milks, other cheeses, or anything from the sheep, let's say. And so if I go buy pecorino cheese from the store, most likely I'm not getting that Sardinian dwarf curry in there from Sardinia as these guys are getting. And if we know, and if you look at medicine, so much of our health as we get older is affected by inflammation, inflammation of the gut, inflammation of the brain, inflammation of our joints, all these types of things. There's all this inflammation. And if these guys are getting anti-inflammatory properties from the foods they eat just naturally. So they're not taking medicines. They're not buying supplements from GMC. They're not doing any of those kind of things. They're just eating what's in their location. That could be helping provide them this health. So moral of the story with this is don't just go out to the the store and buy pecorino cheese. I'm not telling you to do that because you're probably not going to get the same benefits from that. But pecorino cheese is actually pretty good for you. Well, in, in a sense, when you look at what's in pecorino cheese versus other cheeses, goat's milk actually has a lot of really good health properties to it in terms of nutrients and proteins and things of like that compared to cow's milk and other types of milk. Now, with that said, don't give your kids goat's milk if they're little because it doesn't have a lot of B12 in it. So then you can increase your risk for other types of anemias and those kind of things. But when you look at um, their diets, again, anything you eat gets its nutrients from the soil or the location it's grown. And so the goat milk could have some anti-inflammatory properties. If you think about the vegetables and the things they grow in their garden, all of the nutrients in those vegetables are in direct relation to what's in the soil there. You know, if you're a parent or a new parent, maybe you caught on to the topics of um, baby foods that are in jars having heavy metals in them. And maybe that's from factories and things like that. Most likely, most of those foods, fruits, veggies, whatever, got those heavy metals from the soil that they were grown in in the farms from wherever it was in the United States or abroad or something like that. And then it became part of the food, right? And so you can't always know what's in your food without knowing where it came from. So even if you say, hey, I'm going to buy organic, I'm going to go buy organic fruits and veggies and things like that, and you grow it, or you don't grow it, but you buy it from the store, do you know where they grew those organic fruits and veggies? Did they still grow it on a farm where the soil was actually close to a... Um, a mechanical plant or something like that where heavy metals got into the soil through the waterways and now you can get heavy metals that way. You don't know. I don't know. I don't test my food regularly for heavy metals um, or any other chemicals for that sake. And so I think that's going to be the hard part here. I'm going to talk a lot about food and the types of foods people eat, but it doesn't mean that if you go buy those same foods from the store, you're going to get the exact same health benefits from it. So I, I don't want you guys to, to feel like I'm telling you you have to completely change your diets here. But I do think it's important that we recognize that overall themes for these people are they're growing their own vegetables and eating what they grow. In our country, in our world, not many people have a backyard vegetable farm, right? Now, some people are starting to do a lot more um, planting and, and growing and that kind of thing. And I think that that's starting to come back to us, but we're nowhere close to where these people are and where they've been for centuries. And so I think that's another theme too. You know, maybe that's something we start to change more for our families. As dads, let's get out there, start showing our kids how to grow some food. 
and eating from what we make. Start small, start in planters, things like that, and then they branch out, you know. And our old home, so we moved, but our old home, we had some things planted, but rarely did we actually utilize it because I couldn't figure out how to keep it alive half the time. And so I got to figure that out because I really want to do that. And our new house, I'd love to have an area that's just growing veggies like crazy all spring and summer and fall and those kind of things. So that's my goal here. So probably not going to go out and buy a bunch of goat's milk. But I'm going to try to do more in terms of that, that home gardening, home planting and those kind of things and, and push that knowledge onto my kids and give them the joy of doing it too. So then they can pass it on to their kids and their kids and their kids. And that's, that's the hope there. Now, the other location I want to talk about today is Nicoya, Costa Rica. And that was actually a location that they discovered while doing the Blue Zones research. They found this place, um, and I can't remember the exact history of how they found it in terms of looking at, at locations, but they found Nicoya, Costa Rica. And the interesting thing with Nicoya, again, it's an isolated location. There's not a bunch of roads going to it and things like that. It's kind of jungle location, if you really want to say that. Um, but the thing that they found there... With Nicoya. So a male, so dads, that's you, at the age of 60. So if you're a dad there at the age of 60. Now, this is at the time that they wrote the book. So it's been several years since they were in the book. So t- the stats could have changed now. But a male at the age of 60 had twice the chance to get to the age of 90 compared to men in the United States, France, and Japan. Like, isn't that crazy? So you're talking about people living in the jungle or out in the middle of nowhere with not a ton of modern healthcare. Now, they did come in and help out with things like malaria and vaccines, and so they have that access, which has helped their growth. And that was the same with Sardinia. Sardinia um, actually had problems early on with some of these health problems when when World Health Organization or other companies came in to help with vaccines and things that really dramatically increased life expectancy for these people. Same thing for Nicoya. But the thing with Nicoya, too, is they have all these people living longer and healthier, but they only spend about 15% of the same money on healthcare as we do in the United States. And, you know, the cost of medical care in our country is such a hot topic all the time, and it's getting worse, and it's getting worse, and it's getting worse. But we're not getting any healthier because of it, right? This money is getting used for something. Now, what if we could be like Nicoya, where we're only using 15% of what we use now, but we're healthier? How great would that be? Now, when you look at Nicoya, the common themes there, they found they had a very strong work ethic. So basically, your job was your job. You did it. That was your life. You worked it. And again, work for them was, you know, working on farms or working in in these kind of isolated types of jobs. It wasn't, hey, you're going to go to the, you know, the corporate office downtown and work eight or nine to five every day, Monday through Friday and work some weekends and things like that. That's not job. That's not work. Work for them also includes life and having that purpose and having that meaning in life. The other thing with them, they have a very strong belief system. In Nicoya, they had a very strong sense of God and, and their their beliefs there. Um, they have very strong family connections. I didn't mention that for Sardinia's family was a very strong thing in Sardinia. The family unit was very strong. I mentioned dads there weren't as involved with care of the kids, but family was still a very strong thing. And that is the same thing here in Nicoya. Nicoya family has a very, very strong influence. Now, when you get outside the family topic and you're talking about the actual foods that these people are eating, their diets, just like in Sardinia, are very basic. They mainly eat corn, beans, garden vegetables, fruit, and pork on the days that they actually do meats. Now, here's the thing when you're going to see. A lot of these places do pork. It's like a family pig or something like that. And we don't always think of pork as being healthy, right? When you think about frying bacon or something like that, there's all that fat. But what, the, what most of these cultures do is they cook the pork like all day. 
and they skim all the fat off. So there's no more fat left. It's just this meat that's very tender. And then that's added to stews or some other type of food. Um, but when you look at it, the thing that interested me was the corn. Because, you know, I live in Nebraska now. And when I, as a pediatrician, I ask kids what their favorite vegetable is. And it's pretty common for them to say corn. And I just like have to shake my head because corn's a starch is what we say. And so when I see corn, I'm like, that's so interesting. But the interesting thing that they do in Nicoya, as well as some other locations, is to get the corn ready to use. So they usually grind the corn down and make it in tortillas. Um, they soak it in lime to soften the shells to make it possible to handle it. And, you know, I don't know anybody around here that's soaking corn in lime, but the process of that actually infuses the corn with excess calcium and other nutrients. And when you look at Nicoya, they have lower rates of things like um, bones being broken or later on in life and osteoporosis and those kind of things. And so that's the question here. Do these people have um, stronger, stronger skeletal structures because they're getting more of this calcium in their corn because it's being soaked in lime? I, I don't know. To be honest, I'm not planning on practicing the art of lime soaking corn because knowing me I'd somehow screw it up and kill myself with lime but um or burn my hands or my eyes or something I don't know but they have this down to a science and a lot of other countries do this as well and so there's that question on if um that soaking process actually helps so again here's this topic of you have a food type and if you go to the store and buy a bag of corn I've, I've looked, I promise there's 0% calcium in them. So if you look at the nutrition label on them, but, um, so you can't just go buy corn and eat corn and assume it's going to be just as good as when these people in Nicoya are eating it because they're doing it in a totally different process. Same with buying like a corn tortilla from, you know, the store or something like that. Again, it's a different process of making it, but, um, that's something to think about, you know, again, they, they, this is a, this is a routine that they've done for generations to prepare this corn, to use it in their tortillas, which they didn't make, you know, with with beans and things like that. And this is something they always eat. And it's something that's been passed on and passed on, passed on. This isn't some, you know, new phenomenon or some new store that's down the street that's doing this. Like, this is something that's been accepted for generations. So, again, when we talk about respecting our family, respecting our elders, it's probably a good job to listen in and see what they're doing because whatever was working for them is probably going to work for us too. Now, the last thing I do want to touch on here is with Nicoya, they talked a lot about their purpose. And these people who were alive had a purpose, right? They Even these older generations felt that they had a reason to be there, had a reason to help their families or anything along those lines. And once that purpose was gone, once they felt like they weren't needed anymore or anything like that, they died very quickly. And I've talked about this before, but it's kind of the same idea of when you see an elderly person in our country there's always that time period where at some point they end up going to a retirement home or, or something like that. And maybe it's due to dementia or Alzheimer's. Maybe it's due to some other health issue. Maybe it's just because nobody lives near them to take care of them. Um, and again, not scolding anybody for doing something like that. But a lot of times what you see is as soon as that person leaves the house they were in and what they knew and what their routines were, and you transplant them to a new location where everything is done for them, their purpose is basically gone and there's really not anything else outside of it. They tend to die pretty quick um, or they decompensate very quickly. And 
that's just what we see in our country and um, around the world for these people who get put into these these nursing homes is that a lot of times they just decompensate very quickly. And most likely it's due to this sense of purpose is just gone. And it doesn't matter what that purpose is. It might be for that person. They are able to get up out of bed, get themselves ready for the day, go to the grocery store and get groceries, come home, prepare a meal. And they do that every day. And that's their purpose. And if that's what they see and feel is their purpose and they feel needed, that's all they need. And as soon as that gets taken away from them, the purpose for continuing on is gone. And so I, you know, I think about that and I think about my parents, my parents are getting older. Um, I don't live near them. Luckily my sisters do. And so I don't know what they're going to want to do when they get old enough to not be able to move around as much. Hopefully that's going to be, you know, 20, 30 years down the road from now. But I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, I feel bad enough just not living close enough to them to be able to take care of them right now. Who knows? Maybe something will change in the future where we're all closer together. But, um, I, you know, it's hard to know. It's hard to know what's going to happen there. But I think the sense of family, the sense of having purpose are all really important. And those are belief structures that we as dads can foster in our kids, right? To be respectful of our parents, so our their grandparents, but then also be respectful for us when we're older and hopefully they'll help kind of take care of us a little bit, but who knows? So so those are the two blue zones that I talked about, Sardinia and Nicoya, and kind of what they talked about in the book and how I think we can apply it to our everyday lives here in the United States as physician dads. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about Okinawa and uh, Loma Linda, I believe, and so we'll see how those are similar and what's different in those locations. Um but I hope you got a little bit out of this. I hope that maybe I sparked some thoughts or ideas in your mind that um, maybe we can make some changes in our own lives every day to, to really restructure things and not only make ourselves healthy, but also our families and our kids healthy too. So one last thing before we go, guys, remember Advice Media, don't forget to schedule a consult with them to receive a $60 gift card and strategic insight on what your current digital marketing is doing or not doing for you. Contact Advice Media at drpodcastnetwork.com slash advice media. Again, that's drpodcastnetwork.com slash advice media. So remember out there to embrace your imperfections, keep moving forward one day at a time, and I'll see you next week for part three of Blue Zones. My dad, Dr. Jeremy Toffel, is a pediatrician, father, and husband. The information provided in this podcast is not meant to be medical advice and is for your education and entertainment only.